0: Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. Good to see you. Yay! We're here. You made it. You made it. So good to be with you today, and uh, I want to welcome, if you're new, and I want to just simply say this, we are growing strong disciples, we're flowing in the Spirit, and we are sowing into our community. That's our vision, grow, flow, sow. Would you just say grow, flow, sow? Grow, Grow, flow, sow. sow. Okay, so when when Pastor Rick just talked about Serve Day next week, I heard like two people go, yay. (laughs) But I want to just rewind the tape and give you another chance. Because, listen, if we're sowing into our community, it means things like next Saturday when we do a serve day, that there should be a bunch of us that go, I'm in. Let's do it. Let's roll up our sleeves and make a difference and show some love. So is anybody excited about serve day next week? Yay! Okay. If you clapped for it, you signed up for it. Yay! Yay! (laughs) But that's what it's going to look like to sow into our community. is a number of us just saying, I will take my time and give it as an offering to the Lord and make sure that His love goes out in some practical ways. So maybe next Saturday is your chance to step into sowing into our community. I hope you will. Don't miss the chance. Uh, It's the good stuff, and I can't wait for you to uh, be a part of it. Okay, so today I'm wrapping up this series called Faith Moves. And so we've been taking this last month and a half to go through Hebrews chapter 11, a chunk at a time, and today we're wrapping that up. And so you can, uh, I want you to get your Bible open to Hebrews chapter 11, and while you're turning there, this past week I, uh, I saw something that, uh, that I thought, man, this is a great illustration of what I hope has been happening for some of us in our lives, especially even through this past uh, month as we're going through Hebrews chapter 11. And this is what I saw. So uh, if I put this picture up right now, um, most all of us would recognize what we're looking at. We know we're looking at the Golden Gate Bridge as it's about to be uh, constructed. And uh, it's an amazing amazing bridge. And most of us were used to seeing it more like this, the bright, cheerful red and the iconic pictures that lets everybody know they were in California. But but it had to get built. And it seems like no big deal, right? But if you dial back to 1933, this was a mammoth project. And our country at that time was experiencing the Great Depression. And there was like 25% unemployment in the nation. And things like this still had to happen. Uh, Even though it was the worst of times, things like this still needed to get built. And uh, there was 25% unemployment, which meant people were desperate to work. And so uh, if they were offering a job to come get 200, 300 feet up in the air on iron girders to build a bridge, sign me up, right? And that was kind of what was going on. But it was dangerous work. It was dangerous because uh, they were hundreds of feet in the air, And actually, on history.com, it describes that during this time period in the 1930s, when bridges were being built, they expected there to be uh, casualties. They expected a number of people to die, just the nature of of that kind of work. And they actually said, for every million bucks you spend on your bridge, you're going to have at least one death. I mean, that's literally the projection they made. And this is a $35 million uh, bridge project. So the fact that only 11 people died it was actually a major accomplishment, enough that, that people you know, would, would talk about it. But what, what, what happened was that uh, as they first started building the bridge, somebody would fall and die, and the work would slow down massively. You could imagine, right? If you were a worker on that site and you heard one day about somebody, you would, you would be nervous. And all of the workers became very afraid and nervous, and, and they're not doing much work. They're spending most of their time just trying to figure out how to survive up there, and yet deadlines are coming. The work's not getting done. And so the head engineer of the whole project knew that he needed to come up with something. He wanted to come up with a way to, uh, to, to, to save the lives of the people so that the work could get done. And so what he did was he took some inspiration from something he had seen at the circus, and he put a net underneath the, the construction areas of the bridge and then eventually put this giant safety net underneath the entire bridge construction project. And what happened was that there were, there were some people that fell and they got caught in the net. In fact, there were 19 of them. And the 19 people that fell but that were saved by the safety net, they, uh, they called themselves the halfway to hell club because <laughs> for obvious reasons. I don't know what was going on, but that's what they they, they, they had 19 people that fell in the halfway to hell club. They got caught in the net. They were saved by it. And it, it, the effect was that everybody who was working would, would see that even when someone fell, that they were saved and it was okay. And it allowed them to go, then we got this. And the work started happening. And actually, the pace of the work accelerated even more than it was going on before because there was a sense of of safety. There was this safety net, and that people knew it was going to catch them. And it accelerated the productivity because the people had a sense of confidence that they were going to make it. And and I want to tell you today that there is a safety net for you. There is a safety net for you in this life through the power and love of God. And the, the, the power and love of God through the gospel of Jesus is a safety net for you that allows you to know on any given day, I'm safe. I can do my thing, and I'm going to make it, because he's got me. I mean, this safety net matters, and it's, and it's your understanding that you're right with God, and that you get to wake up any single day and know the grace of God is my safety net. I want you to just say, there's a safety net. I want you now to turn to somebody nearby you and look at them and tell them, there's a safety net for you. (laughs) There's a safety net for you. There's a safety net for you in the grace of God and in his power and in his love for you. And that awareness that you are right with God allows you to live your life in a different kind of a way, oriented towards the good things that he actually is empowering you to go after, rather than just turning and and being afraid all the time about how you might fall. And so I want to ask God today to reorient some of our lives, that instead of living with a, a sense of fear about what might go wrong, that we might have a sense of focus in who our God is, in his power, in his love, and in his grace for our life, and that it would be for us a safety net that would motivate us to accelerate our movement and our walk by faith into the good things he has for us. And so I want to share with you the, uh, the, the, simple, the simple truth of this message, and it's this. My main idea, I choose... Confidence for the victory and confidence through the misery. That's the main idea of my message today from Hebrews 11, and you're going to see why in just a few moments. I'll say it again. I choose confidence for the victory and confidence through the misery. Okay, so confidence. That's what we're talking about today. Confidence. Everyone just say it. Confidence. Confidence is a choice. Confidence is something inside of you. It's an inner disposition, an inner state. And you could even think of it like a, like a posture. <laughs> and, and I'll put it like this. I, I might sit down at, at my desk and kind of my, my shoulders go over like this, my neck goes in like this, and I go like this. And that's the posture I take. And, and I just do that posture because I'm just used to it. But on the other hand, I'm choosing it, aren't I? Nobody's forcing it, but I'm used to it, so it just feels natural, normal to me, even though it looks bizarre, right? If I did this, and if I just kept on doing this, it would start making you uncomfortable to even watch me, right? You want to see something, don't you? you wanna, don't you want to see something different? Especially, I know one of you, is you're a chiropractor. You're like, please, right? But you want to see this. You want to see, and this is a choice. I could go home today, and I probably will and in the afternoon, I'll go like this, and I'll just slouch all over my couch, right? And I just am used to doing that, and I'll do it because I'm used to it. But on the other hand, it's a choice. It's a choice. But, but what I want to talk to you about now is I'm not talking about your, your, your chiropractic necessities anymore. I'm talking about your inner spirit, your inner person, the, the spirit within you, and what you do with it is a choice. And the enemy comes along with a lie and a deception to to cause you to feel like, no, 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 Uh, I I feel this way. Therefore, that's what I'm going to be all about. And and our feelings or our fears run the show. And and we find ourselves just kind of slouching in some things inside, slouching and just getting all used to doing it a certain way, or hunching over with some timidity and fear, but what I know is that I have a different way that I'm allowed to live. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so my faith becomes the operating principle that orders everything else inside of me. Are you with me? And, And so it's a choice to say, God, I will. I will walk by faith and not by sight, and I will choose confidence. It's a choice. I want you to just get this today. Confidence is a choice. You choose confidence in God for the victory, and confidence in God through the misery. Okay, so we're going to go to uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. So last week, Pastor Benny was visiting from Mexico City and reminded us that God is taking us all on a journey to become spiritual giants. That's what he's doing. And today, I want to finish out this Hebrews chapter 11 series And hope that you will catch a vision for growing as a spiritual giant that God intends for you. So Hebrews 11, verse 30. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days, and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies... How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of the lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength, and they became strong in battle and put whole armies, to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. But others, somebody say, but others. (laughs) But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons, and some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed, and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains and hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection Without us, So here we are finishing Hebrews 11, and you've got a whole crew of people that are mentioned, eight people by name and a bunch of other people just by the groups of, of those that they were a part of. And what our Heavenly Father is doing is naming individuals. And some of us want to name people according to what we are against about them or what we don't think they're doing right. But our Heavenly Father looks and says, yep, I know, these people are all kind of messed up, but I'm going to tell you about what they did that was beautiful in my sight, How they fixed their eyes on me, how they trusted in me, how they believed in me, and how they went for something, for my glory, or endured something, even though it was terrible and hard, and they did so by choosing confidence. You might wonder, like, where where do you get that word, confidence? That wasn't really in the text, right, but it's where Hebrews 11 began, It began in Hebrews 11-1 by telling us, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. And so we know that that's the thread that weaves through this entire section of the Bible. And so I know that these people were people who rose up with some kind of a holy confidence. And so I want us to understand together what confidence is. Let me give you a working description. Confidence is a sense of assurance Self-assurance grounded in your actual ability, experience, and sufficiency. And in its best light, it's an inward sense of capacity to navigate the world in a healthy, positive, productive way because you have a secure sense of identity. That was a lot, wasn't it? That was a lot. I know. I'm going to revisit that in in a moment, but let me just get to one part of it. In its best sense... It's a capacity to navigate the world in a healthy, positive, productive way because you have a secure sense of identity. Here's what I mean by this. When you have a secure sense of identity, you know who you are. And therefore, you know you have the capacity to do what's before you. And and, and the scripture says in Colossians 2.10, you are complete through your union with Christ. I want you to hear that. Colossians 2.10, you are complete through your union with Christ. So I want you to just try this on. Again, that's Colossians 2.10. Just kind of grab hold of your heart for a second and just simply say, I'm complete through my union with Christ. And if that's true, if it's really true that you are complete through your union with Christ, and if it's really true, like it says in Colossians 1:27, that you experience Christ in you, the hope of glory, if that's really true, then you living in confidence is the most noble and holy expression of a real and genuine faith. Sometimes as Christians, we get a little concerned that, that, that we never would want to cross the line into arrogance Pride and conceitedness, good, (laughs) but real confidence had nothing to do with conceitedness and arrogance at all. It's about having a right sense of security in who you are as a loved daughter of the Most High God, as a forgiven son of the Most High God, as a child of God who's filled with the Spirit of God and who's living on this planet, praying daily, may your kingdom come and your will be done, and here I am to be a part of it. That's actually who you are made to be. And it requires confidence, confidence. Let me say it again, a a sense of self-assurance grounded in your actual ability experience and sufficiency. Your sufficiency, your sense of security in your identity that Christ is in you and that that's enough. (laughs) This gives you power to keep going. So let me just walk through a few of these people. Hebrews 11.30, it says, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. Do you remember this part of the Bible in the Old Testament? I mean, they're marching around a city for seven days, blowing trumpets, ram's horns. That's the battle strategy. It's crazy. Who would have ever thought that that would have worked? But these people somehow chose confidence in God for the victory the way he called for it. And that's a choice that every single one of us any day of the week can make. To just decide, yep, I'm in the middle of a hard thing. I'm in the middle of a tough moment. I've got difficult situations, but I believe in my God. And so I choose confidence in God for the victory. This is what I see these people doing. Hebrews 11, 31, it says, It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city. Hebrews 11:31. 31. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This is a woman who was exactly what the Bible says she was, Rahab the prostitute. the prostitute. You know what I love? I love that my heavenly father is not afraid of somebody's past and what they've been through. I'm so grateful that my heavenly father says, yep, that's where you come from? I, I can redeem anybody. And I'll even let it, I'm not going to try to tidy it up in my book either. I'm not going to erase and, and sanitize the reality of where you came from. That's part of your story, and I'm not going to be ashamed to say that's where I took you from. Is anybody here grateful that God took you from some place and redeemed you? And part of your story is his willingness to do that for you. And I, I, I read this, and I, I just think, God, thank you that that's who you are. I keep going in verse 32, and it says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets by faith. Why don't you say this part out loud with me? Say it. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. Keep that on the screen for a moment. I want you to read that part aloud one more time. Nice and strong. Go. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. This, this is something I hope that you would catch. Keep that on the screen. I, I want you to know that this description of your spiritual forebears is actually meant to in some way be a motivation for you. Because I believe that God is looking at you and saying there are still some kingdoms that need to be overthrown. There are still some ways that that, that ruling with justice needs to happen. And there are still some promises that need to be received. Put that back on the screen, don't take it down. We need to meditate it on that. that. That verse 33, keep it back up for, for a moment. I want you to say it with me one more time. Ready, uh, ready, go. Bye. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised to them. I believe that there are some of you who are meant to overthrow some kingdoms. Woo! That there are some kingdoms in the industry where you work, where it's the kingdom of darkness that people have just gotten used to, but God's raising you up to overthrow the kingdom of darkness in that industry and demonstrate what the light of Jesus looks like in that business. I believe that some of you are meant to overthrow some kingdoms even in the political realm. And, and you, could, you could all, we could all just get, uh, just get passive and figure, well, just things are getting worse and worse, drifting, 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 until it drifts off the, the map. Or some of us could go, wait a minute, my people do this. My people overthrow (laughs) kingdoms when they need to be overthrown, and I'm going to step up. I'm going to not just be passive. And for some of you, overthrowing kingdoms is about overturning the kingdom of darkness that has set up a generational pattern of cursing in your family, and you're going to be the one to bring an end to it. You're going to overthrow that kingdom of the devil and bring the righteousness of God. And some of us... If you would live by faith, if you would actually choose confidence in God for the victory, it would look like figuring out how you will rule with justice. Rule is a, is a synonym for leadership. And for some of you, you've been going along to get along, but God's saying, wait a minute, I want to elevate you with a leadership capacity, so that you would be there knowing that by faith you in that space, in that business, in that environment, you get to rule with justice. And and what does it look like? Maybe for some of you, you're a boss and you own a company. What would it look like for you to rule with justice? It might look like you saying, we're giving everybody a raise because they've been working hard and times are tough and we can. I know about a couple of business owners in our church that over the last year, they literally have felt the Spirit of God speaking to them, saying, this is what we've got to do. I think it's because it's this same heart coming through, faith in Christ motivating someone to rule with justice. To see that people's needs are met and that things get turned around in somebody's life. You're there to do that. You're there to do that. I want somebody to just have some guts this morning and say, I'm here to do that. (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait, are you here to do that or not? Are you here to just go and play church and sit in, in a service? Or are you saying, no, no, no. God, I'm here for this. I'm here for this. That's not just a little quick little cool phrase to put underneath your Instagram post. I'm here for this. Although that's fun to say, isn't it? But no, really, in your life, can you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and see what God's people do, the kind of stuff that God's people just roll up their sleeves and get involved in and say, I'm here for this, to overthrow kingdoms, to rule with justice, to receive the promises of God. Like, this is what you're here for, church. Come on. I'm here for this. Yep, I'm I'm praying that somebody would get stirred up with faith. Because there's something, and maybe it's not as grandiose as what I just described. Maybe it's simply in the one place where you do your thing, in that one classroom, or that one hospital charge station, or, or, or that, that, that one computer screen where you do all of your negotiations to figure out what it looks like to rule justice, motivated by your faith to do it. Ah, this is the good stuff, the the confidence to to move forward and see what God would call us to do. But I I want you to recognize something. In, In Hebrews chapter 10, like the page before in the Bible, there's a phrase that jumps out at me, and it just simply says this. It says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. Let's go back and would you read that with me? Hebrews 10.35, ready, go. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he promised. Do not throw away your confidence. Do not throw away your confidence. Do you know the reason why this phrase, inspired by the Holy Spirit, needed to be written is because you will actually be tempted to do just that to just throw away your confidence. The, the enemy will come along with some kind of a temptation or some kind of a trouble, and something inside of you will just start feeling like, I just can't take it anymore. I just don't have the strength anymore. I just don't want to take another step. I don't think I can. I think I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not worthy, and I'm, I'm worthless of it. And, and all of that is you just wanted to take your confidence and just throw it away. And so the Holy Spirit, even before telling us about all of these things in Hebrews 11 says, don't throw away Your confidence, your your self-assurance grounded in your actual capacity and ability and experience and sufficiency, your internal posture of knowing that you can, in fact, navigate this world in ways that are healthy and positive and productive... Like that, don't throw that away. And remember, this confidence, it's it's a confidence based on who God says you are. As a redeemed and forgiven son or daughter. As a beloved child of God. One in whom the spirit of God dwells. And so it's a confidence that's grounded in the eternal reality of God's goodness and love. But it's something that you actually get to choose. Remember this. Your confidence, your faith in God, it's a posture, it's a position you take, and you can start slouching back into into sin because it's familiar to you and because you're used to it, or you can start hunching over with a kind of a fear and and timidity because you're used to it. But I'm telling you today that the spiritual posture that you can choose and that's right and good is a spiritual posture of a focus on your heavenly father and his faithfulness and his strength and his love for you. And then you stand secure in your loved identity as his son, as his daughter, and you stand with a focus on what victory he may bring or what perseverance he may cultivate in you. And I wish I could tell you it's always going to be for the victory. But you and I already read this text of scripture together, and we know the second half isn't about that at all. It's about the fact that in this life, in ways that sometimes feel like a sneak attack, it gets miserable. And we got into some specifics here, right? And I just want to dial back in on those, the first part was all about all the great victories, and I love that. We shoot for that, and I choose confidence in God for the victory, and I choose confidence in God through the misery. And the misery was listed out for us, all different kinds of misery. Let's just dive in. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> Verse 35, it said, it said others, others, and that's the turnaround, but others were tortured, Refusing to turn from God in order to be set free, they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, their backs were cut open with whips, others were chained in prisons, some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering around over deserts and mountains and hiding in caves and holes in the ground. My gosh, when I, when I read that and I think about what I'm going through, I go, oh, actually, it's not, it's not that bad. <laughs> Anybody else? I I know, all of us have different kinds of misery that we we are wrestling with, but sometimes we read the Bible and it does help us to go, you know, on second thought, I mean, I I slept in a bed last night and I ate ate some food within the last 24 hours and, you know, I, I got a vehicle and I've got, you know, food in the cabinet. I mean, it goes on and on, right? And even through our most difficult moments... There's so much goodness, and sometimes we do need to look at some things like this and go, God, you've been good to me yet, you know? And, and at the same time, though, the misery is real, right? Like for some of us right now, the misery we're in, the misery of our, our, our son or our daughter who's wandering in prodigal land, and we, we can't make it any different, and there's misery in our heart about that. For some of us, it's the misery of, of the death that we've just had to experience and the, the misery of the loss and the mourning that we're walking through right now. And others of us, it's the misery of the, the job. it just got let go and I don't know what's going to happen next and the misery of all of the uncertainty. That's real. And, and that's why the resolution, the end of Hebrews 11 is this, is I choose confidence in God for the victory and confidence in God through the misery. I want you to just say this with me one more time. Say it. I choose confidence in God for the victory, and I choose confidence in God through the misery. And and we will probably have both in our lives. And in either end of the spectrum and everything in between, it's step-by-step with Jesus through it, him taking us, strengthening us, picking us up. And when we fall and we're free falling because of it, guess what? You've got a safety net. And He's got you. And even through the misery, He's going he's to catch you and pick you up. Verse 39 to 40. Let me just get ready to, get ready to close this out. This says, all these people, verse 39, all these people earned a good reputation of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. God had something better in mind. Even through all of the moments that we remember as just kind of the Old Testament, God was working, setting it up, and moving for the better that he had in mind. If you were, let's say, uh, Jephthah, for example, just one of the names on that list. <laughs> Jephthah, the guy who said, if we win this battle, I will offer whatever comes running out of my house. That was, sounded great at the time until it was his daughter who came running out of the house. It was I mean, a crazy moment in the Bible, right? And in the middle of that moment, I don't know if he would be thinking, oh, yeah, this is better. When you're in the granular moments, you, c- you can't maybe feel it or see it, but we do believe that as there is a, a, a zooming out, an eternal zooming out, right, the great zoom lens of our God, right, that he does work all things together for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, even through the misery. He does this. And so I choose confidence in him, even through the, the misery, confidence in him. I don't, I don't see it right now, God, but you are good. This isn't good, but you are good. And I'm going to orient my life towards you, God, and continue looking your way. Confidence. Confidence. It's it's a choice. I remember uh, when I was growing up, my dad used to be really into a lot of new age stuff. And uh, I mean, I remember times where he would take me and, and my sister, he would go to these weird retreats in the woods and do a bunch of weird, I don't even know, new agey stuff, and I, it was this kind of what I experienced a little bit growing up as he was uh, working things out. He didn't get saved until he was in his 40s, and uh, I remember uh, we used to have these uh, these cassette tapes, and they were subliminal message cassette tapes. And there were a lot of them. We had a bunch of them that he would order them from somewhere. Somebody who lived through the 80s, you might remember this. Like the, 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 but we had a whole bunch of cassette tapes. And they had subliminal messages in them. And uh, I, I would listen to them, too. And you'd put the Walkman uh, headphones on, and pop the cassette tape in, and have some nice flute music, and, and then the subliminal message that you could sometimes hear, and then sometimes the guy's voice would boom out, and you would hear it, and it would go back to it. It was weird stuff. But uh, there was one that was literally, the name of the cassette tape was called Confidence. And I remember putting the Walkman earphones on and listening to it, nice flute music, and then uh, this booming voice. You are confident. You are confident. I just listen to this and think, oh, I'm confident. You know you what's know, funny? I was, I was remembering that this week, listen, literally listening to this subliminal tape cassette. And I, I looked it up, and there was research about all this. And this one guy, Uh, Howard Chevron from the University of Michigan, the psychologist, did this massive research project on all that subliminal message stuff, and his conclusion was that there was 100% no impact from the the subliminal messages at all, like zero impact or or effectiveness from the subliminal messages, all garbage, all just worthless. I could have told you that. (laughs) But the question then is, how are you going to get there? How? If confidence is this important, and let me, let me rewind the tape and just kind of remind you, confidence, a sense of self-assurance grounded in your actual ability, experience, and sufficiency, which comes from Jesus in you. And in its best light, an inward sense of capacity to be able to navigate the world in a healthy, positive, productive way because you have a secure identity. How are you going to get there? You're going to get there by being a person who knows I'm a disciple of Jesus, And what that means is every day, I, I, I recalibrate my insight around this fact: I'm loved by God. My sins are forgiven through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. I have a home forever in heaven. And I have the spirit of the living God living on the inside of me. And his word is true in 2 Timothy 1.7 that says, he has not given you a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power and love and of self-discipline. And if that is true, then confidence is the natural outflow of my faith in my God. And I choose it. Just like I choose to put my shoulders back and my chin up In the spirit, and it's your choice. You can just let your feelings keep on knocking you down if you want to. But I'm telling you, somebody, you don't need to get uh, get knocked around by the enemy like that. Your feelings don't have to run you. Your fear doesn't have to run you. Your slouching in sin, familiar patterns doesn't have to run you. Your faith in Jesus has the capacity to override and overrule all that, and it's a choice. Just like putting your shoulders back. I choose confidence in you, God, for victory, through misery. I choose confidence in you, God. And, it, and it's something you get to do in the secret place. Like when you're alone with God. Maybe you've read the Bible, maybe you didn't even have time to, but you at least have time to do this. God, I trust in you. I'm secure in you. I'm strong in you. I'm centered in you. I'm whole in you. I'm complete in you, Colossians 2.10. So here I am. Victory or misery, you're my safety net. Let's go. This is how I hope you'll live your life. And in the end, Titus, I'll wrap up with this. Titus 3, 6 and 7 says this. It says, He generously poured out the spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life, the ultimate safety net, confidence that we will inherit eternal life. That's the ultimate. He's got you. Do you see it? And if you can live that way, if you know in the end, he's got me no matter what because of my faith in Jesus, then I can take some steps. I can try some stuff. I can get whole. I can believe for healing. I can move towards freedom. I can receive his breakthrough goodness. And, and I'm praying for you that you would experience this. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the goodness of what you're speaking to us. Father in heaven, I pray that you would stir up in us as a group of believers a holy confidence, a redeemed, holy confidence, washed through the blood of Jesus Christ, so that it has nothing to do with arrogance or conceitedness or pride, but has everything to do with security and who we are. Loved, redeemed, accepted, forgiven, whole, and complete in you. God, I pray for that to get stirred up in all of us. And that from that would flow beautiful faith, confidence in you, for victory and even through misery and everything in between. Yeah, Father, I pray right now for a spiritual awakening for some of us. For somebody, all of this stuff that you're hearing about, it's, it's kind of new for you or something inside of you is finally waking up to it, to the reality that you can be forgiven and that you can receive the gift of God's love and grace and mercy. And you can. It's a gift. It's offered. It's it's what Jesus died to buy for you, gift of salvation. Your sins can be forgiven. You can be made right with God now and forever. And it's a gift like any other. It's offered to you, and you can uh, turn your nose up at it and say, "Nah, some other time," or you can finally say, "Yes, yeah, I, I want to receive that gift." It's like a gift. When you get a gift, you don't really know everything about it when you first get it, but you receive it. And then as you open it and you get to know what that gift is all about over time, but it starts in a moment like this. And for somebody, that moment is right now for you to finally receive the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. He says, I want for you to be born again. I want for you to be made new. And it, it can start today. And if you're sitting here saying, well, I want to do that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. I want to be right with God. Then right now, I want you to join me and raise your hand up really high. Like, this is your moment to finally say, I want that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. And you need to raise your hand with me so I can see. I want to connect with you and pray together with you. Keep it up real high and let it be known here in the front, in the middle, in the back. Over in the left, in the back, both of you, thank you. And th- there may be someone joining online, too. Just type it into the comments. I want to give my life to Jesus. And then those of you who are praying right now, you have your hand raised, would you join me and pray? And you might say something like this, Jesus Christ, I believe in you and I give you my life. Thank you for giving your life for me. I believe that when you died on the cross, you paid for my sin to be forgiven. And I'm asking for forgiveness of all my sin right now. Just asking, Jesus, would you forgive all my sin? And Jesus, I I give you my life. I ask you to come be Lord of it. I believe that you conquered death. You rose from the dead and you're alive. So would you come into my life and be my Lord, my Savior? Jesus, I'm yours. From this moment on, I'm yours. And you can put your hand down. Those of you who just raised your hand, this moment is a moment of rebirth. Like it's you being made new. And our ministry team is going to try to find you at the end of the service. Or you can come up to the front. We'd like to give you a Bible and help connect you into this church body so you can grow. Father, I thank you for what you're doing and stirring up faith in us. And I pray that you would continue... Whatever else you have for us. Holy Spirit, if there's anything else that you have for us in this moment, I want to say, have your way. Holy Spirit, 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 have your way. Okay, so. I'm praying and I'm asking, Holy Spirit, have your way, and I'm seeing like a, I see the, a, a figure of a, of a person with real pain in the, in, in the butt, really, pain in the butt, that's what it is, got to say it like that, like that part of the body, uh, but whether it's the sciatic or something, but the gluteus maximus part of your body, like that part of you, it hurts like crazy, and It feels like a muscle spasm or just shooting pain in that part of your body. I'm just going out on a limb. It's awkward for me to do this, especially that. It would be easier if it were just the leg, but it's the butt. (laughs) It might be awkward for you to raise your hand on this one too, but for somebody, you you know you're desperate, and you, you know you need a touch from God in that part of your body. If that's you, could you raise your hand for me? If you need God to heal the muscles in your glutes that are just messing you up big time There's like a couple keep your hand up for a moment thank you i know this is a little awkward it was for me to say it maybe it is for you also but raise your hand up and now ministry team come find these people prayer team you come find these people if you're a believer and you know jesus has the power to heal people's bodies and you're nearby someone with a hand raised walk over to them put your hand on their shoulder and as you're walking towards them, keep that hand up if you want someone to lay hands on you for that part of your body to be healed. Turn and lay a hand on them. This is what we do, church. We follow Jesus. Our Jesus, it says in Acts 10.38, went around doing good healing all those who are under the power of the devil. That's what he went around healing. So we try to do what he did. And that's what it looks like right now. It happens to look like this. So extend a hand, walk over, lay a hand, if they had their hand up. And Heavenly Father, right now I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for your power to flow through brothers and sisters who are going out on a limb with some faith, and I pray, God, that your power would flow and healing would come. And I thank you, Jesus, that your kingdom is is not just a matter of, of talk, but of power. And so I ask for your kingdom power to be flowing even now. And for some of us, we don't get this maybe that much, but we can at least feel sort of some empathy and compassion for some brothers and sisters who are literally hurting. And God, I pray that as we pray, your relief would come and your healing would come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that for some of you, the moment you raised your hand, God started to work. <laughs> and you might have even felt something like a, like, like hot, like, a, like electric <laughs> volts flowing through. God's been at work. He's doing it. I want you to all stand up together right now. Everybody stand together. I still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. I believe you're working. All things for good. I fix my eyes on heaven, God. I receive Your vision, God. I believe your are working. All things for good. Okay, so we just had a bunch of people go out on a limb and say, "Okay, it's me." Pray for my glute. <laughs> I just. I just wanna know, like, if, if you got prayed for it just now, and maybe you have to, I don't know what you're gonna to have to do, like pick up your leg or just, if you know, God touched me, the pain that I walked in here with, the inability, He removed it, and He touched me and He healed me. If you know, God did that, you feel it in your body. I wanna know about it. Would you raise two hands if He did it? And you don't make anything up, but if He did, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then over here too. Come on. Come on. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For somebody else, you need to come to the front, let our prayer team keep praying with you. But this is the truth. God is on the move. And He's bringing His kingdom. And His people are praying. And He's bringing breakthrough. And we're trusting Him for it. I still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. Yeah, sing God, it out.